Welcome to Riverdale. to Riverdale is a carefree black nerd review show where we discuss the weekly hijinks and shenanigans of the newly rebooted Archieverse. <laughs> this is episode 5, Heart of Darkness. Man, okay, um, I don't even know where to start. This show, for me, continues to keep getting better and better and better. This episode was more of a slow burn as opposed to the four before of it where they were just like firing on all cylinders, like tons of shit just going on, left and right, back and forth, A, B, C, D, and E plots. This was like a standard teen drama, primetime 90s show. Um, I will say I think that the show continued with the... um, with the separation of kid and adult as far as um, storylines and the feel of the show now it does feel more like a show called Riverdale as opposed to a show called The Archie Show because there is more incorporation of the adults and their problems and how they deal with their own shit between each other and then how it relates to the kids um, I am, like I said, this is more of a, more of a slow burn for me but I will say that after watching this this episode, then going to see the movie Get Out, Jordan Peele's uh, psychological thriller about the black experience in white America, um, and then coming back and watching this episode again, Riverdale is very much um, a dead town from Get Out. No spoilers about that movie, but... All I can say is it felt like a very different show <laughs> after watching um, watching the movie. There is so much shit going on as usual. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, Heart of Darkness, Episode 5. Um, previously on Riverdale, uh, someone broke into Sheriff Keller's office, ripped down all his little, his little murder wall with all the suspects and stuff. But we open up on Thornhill manor which Chughead narrates is more of a, the creepy house that uh, every neighborhood has and we get this traumatic over the top and this is why I like Cheryl say what you want she's a bitch she's fucking corny she's like an asshole whatever but she is so over the top at all times like, there's not one more like this is clearly a show based off high school students she is so extreme that's what I like she exists in this space where she is a high school trope the mean girl but she's so extreme and so she's dialed up to like a 20 when everyone else is hanging around a 10 it's just it's so interesting she um we open up on this like southern gothic ass Eve's Bayou uh daughter of Dracula style candelabra I don't know she has this flowing red dress coming down the steps with this damn I don't know be our guest ass <laughs> set up and um what I like about this show is that they dance around the Archie's 
um, different iterations from the comics. Like there is um, Cheryl going down to Jason's coffin and opening it up and, and then turning around and he's a zombie, which is kind of doing that afterlife with Archie thing. And she wakes up in Jason's bed back into the regular world and who's standing at the door but her evil ass mama Penelope which is like they are they're wear they're both wearing these elaborate lingerie negligee Victoria's secret numbers and I'm like who the, what the hell is this? Is this what happened? Is this is this a white woman thing? Is this just for TV? Cause I've never I've had sleepovers at my cousin's house. I've you know, I don't know lived with my sister at one point in time I can never remember him just walking around the house in these bustiers and flowing like satin sheer guy it's I don't, it's just fucking ridiculous but we um we haven't really got much on the blossoms before this it's more or less the grieving parents but now we kind of get a glimpse into why the fuck Cheryl is so crazy and why the hell Jason may have wanted to leave because their parents are fucking ridiculous uh Penelope is dressed in her evening's best cussing out her daughter talking about you how many times have I told you not to fall asleep in Jason's room mm, I mean I get that he's dead but also that was my twin brother like is that okay like I think that's the one thing <laughs> that the Blossoms have done in this episode that seems pretty normal your twin brother has passed that's kind of the only way you can feel close to him is around his things that made sense to me but um she um there's that whole fallout or whatever they have but we cut over to Archie who is essentially overcompensated for his loss of Grundy um he's like punching the 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 punching bag Rocky style shirtless and that has to be something in this boy's contract that says he has to be shirtless every episode at least for a whole scene cause there's no way there's no reason there's no reason that we see this boy half naked all the time um but i will say it's a good twist on showing women half naked running around different so i kind of for me it balances out it, it, it even though it seems to happen every single episode it still catches me off guard when i see this boy shirtless because it doesn't seem like it's necessary but like i said when it comes to women in media historically they haven't always been portrayed in the best light it's usually been with a lot of cleavage or you know walk around with just a shirt on like it's it's been something that's been very um intrusive about the way certain women have been portrayed on camera so i feel like this is okay i mean because shit there's no girls or women on the show who are treated in this way not that it's even bad but it's just odd to me but i digress pull it back pull it back in um what i want to know though is moving on to the next scene where Kevin is, you know, at the blue and gold talking with uh, Betty and Jughead. I want to know why in the fuck? Why in the capital ass fuck? Bold and italicized. Is Kevin sharing police secrets with the fucking best friends uh, babysitter style fucking uh, Scooby-Doo club at the school? Like, that makes absolutely no sense. And I feel like the show wanted you to just accept that this is what he's doing but it makes no fucking sense your dad is the sheriff you walked in after the uh drive-in fiasco and see that the place has been broken in and shit ripped off the walls why are you recreating this wall with your friends that's like that, that does that not 
these motherfuckers ain't qualified. True enough, you know, y'all in this small town, you want to have some exciting shit to do, but to submerge yourself into a police investigation, it's just, that seems all kind of weird, and I just that took me out of the show, because you could say white people be crazy and whatever else, but I have to believe that this is not something that would actually happen. Like, <laughs> your dad's the police... Again, I digress once again. Kevin is not my favorite of this uh, this episode, and t- clearly because he's a fucking dumbass. Like, oh god, that's like your parent being a judge and you discussing. I don't know what you overheard them say on a phone call to your friends about a case. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> are we gonna act like this is normal? This is horrible. Um, but Trav pops in at the Blue and Gold office and is like, oh, hey, Betty, uh, I just wanted to make sure that we're still on uh, for hanging out. And this interaction did something to me. I had a reaction to it because um, Trav or Trev, I can't, I don't know, whatever, it's Valerie's brother, uh, Valerie from Josie and the Pussycats. And it's the second time we've seen him on screen. It's always, you know, in relation to Betty and the Blue and Gold. But it seemed as if he was excited for hanging out. And she's like, oh, okay, it's a date. I'll see you, but whatever. And once he leaves and she gets interrogated, um, Jughead, which Kevin, understandably so, says, um, you're going out with Trav. Does your mom know about this? Which, to me, kind of alludes to the whole racist get-out element of it all because there's nothing that the mayor has done or that any black person in Riverdale has done that would warrant a negative response from Alice. Additionally, she seems to have only had an issue with Archie, considering Polly and Jason's relationship, and that it's clear that she feels like they're Polly, um, excuse me, Betty and Archie are going down the same road. So if all her animosity has been pent up towards Archie Andrews for the last four episodes, why in the fuck would it be an issue that Betty is hanging out with Trev? Like, that... And so she's like, oh, well, oh, it's nothing, uh, blah, whatever. No, I mean, my mom's at a women in journalism retreat. So it's this whole, hmm, white woman, black man, interracial relationship, this taboo-ness around it that it's just, and I may, you know, it's not, I may, it just seems very odd to me. And I'm, again, this is one of those instances where I'm sure the show wanted it to read as this fun, playful little thing, but it just did not translate that way to me. Um, and the fact that we only see Trav in relation to Betty so far, like his very own sister, we don't see them interacting with each other. We, they're, they're nowhere. Even this, in this episode where they both show up and have a pretty um, reoccurring role, they're never seen together. Mm. That doesn't seem to strike you as odd. And then fast forward <laughs> a little further in the show during Jason's um, wake or funeral, whatever the hell this was, for Josie and Cheryl to be such good friends, Josie wasn't at this goddamn funeral. Now, I've watched this episode twice, and I've watched it once regularly and second uh, through the lens of the Get Out movie. If... I've overlooked it. Let me know. But I know good and damn well Josie ass did not show up at all. But taking a step back. Um, so we that's all wrapped up. <sighs> Cut to football practice. Archie is and Archie is boring as hell. Like, the show is a spin off of Archie Comics, but Archie is fucking boring. And it, it's, 
I, I kind of called it, but it's sad to say that without this relationship with Grundy, he's not interesting. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing there. So, we get to um, the race to captain. Uh, I'll be calling it with Reggie and Archie, where Coach is like, look, motherfucker, you, you suck, Archie. What the fuck is going on? Um, and then in order to push him to do better and to focus more on the field, he calls over Reggie. So we get another person of color interacting in this episode, which is why I, I like this one more than I think I should. Um, he's like, look, if you want to be captain, both of y'all got to the end of the week to show me who wants it more. Which, I played football in middle school. Uh, I think my freshman year in high school I did. Uh, I was never aspired to be captain. It was just something I did. But I don't know if this is... I would imagine this is something that you would have players do but I'm not sure so anyone out there who played football or has some insider knowledge of high school football is this something normal to pit two players against each other to kind of fight and duel it out for captain I don't know whatever um I thought that was interesting because one Reggie's getting more screen time in this whole interaction and it so deceives of us having that uh Reggie Archie uh relationship that that um uh frenemies relationship that they have in the comics and uh so I, I was interested to see how that played out through this show and eh, it didn't wasn't that great <laughs> i'll get to that later on but um we get to oh okay oh so i don't know reggie said something about oh i would love to whoever like i want to be captain one who deserves to be captain and have and where Jason's number is me. And it was like, again, I'm trying to search my mind for knowledge of me playing sports back in high school, but what in the fuck does it matter? Like, I feel like a lot of this was centered and focused on Jason and his status as the quarterback from before. Like, it was it, it was done in such a weird way for me because he's dead. And to keep referring to it as, I'm the one who deserves Jason's number and to be captain. It's like couldn't it, it probably was done on purpose to keep Jason's name constant throughout the episode but it just came off very odd I feel like it would be more natural to say I'm the one who deserves to be captain like I'm the one who deserves to wear that dead guy's number and be captain of the fool it was just weird um but what I'm trying to figure out is a boring ass Archie why in the fuck is everyone bidding over backwards film this is what pulled me out of the show as well it's like there's nothing to him. He is boring as fuck. He is a... He is what we see all the... He is the reason why representation matters. We've seen white people in dominant roles across media since the conception of media, period. And to rely on him being a attractive, cisgendered, hetero, white male, that's not enough. Um, even Jughead being kind of in the same category is more interesting and feels more fleshed out than Archie is. Archie's dad, even though they seem to be two sides of the same coin, he even he seems more interesting than boring-ass Archie. Now, this could be just aesthetics and me having my own bias, uh, you know, against or in relation to Archie, but I don't get this feeling with other white men on the show like even Hal Cooper Betty's uh dad is more interesting even um Clifford Blossom Cheryl's dad seems that Archie is just boring as fuck he's like a bland piece of cardboard a cracker uh I don't know 
a communion wafer. <laughs> He's just boring. <clears throat> and to see how these girls are throwing themselves at him and bending over backwards for him, it's like, what in the fuck? It's like, I feel like it's not earned. It's definitely not. Because um, during this thing, we get Veronica talking about Trev and Betty Dayton and um, Archie post-Grundy. And it's all this, this weird little bleacher scene. But um, <clears throat> Valerie comes over. <clears throat> and Valerie is beautiful. Oh, my God. This woman is gorgeous. This um, Look, if you haven't seen this show, you need to go online and Google uh, images of Valerie. She is breathtakingly beautiful. Um, so much so that when she sits down next to Archie, it's like, Oh, hey, Archie. Um, yeah, I know I'm part of this band and I'm busy doing other shit, but let me take the time out to help your little pale ass and give you the name to an adjunct professor at the college who's teaching music. Like, what? And I was thinking, like, motherfucker, you you have a whole band. This man could be helping you. Now, I may have misinterpreted what was actually said, but this makes no sense. You have a full band with two other girls, and you, Josie just cut into this motherfucker talking about he could walk into rooms y'all have to call y'all way into, and you're not using this adjunct professor for y'all? You passing on? Uh, I mean, I guess that's the friendly, the friend thing to do. But at the same time, you have a band. And I think that's a little bit more important than helping this pale-ass, boring meathead or whatever the fuck. Archie's boring. That's it. That's the running thing with this episode. He is boring as hell. Um, but then she leaves and Cheryl comes over and she's like, <laughs> says some smart-ass line again, but she hands out invitations to Jason's funeral or wake or whatever they call it. And um, <laughs> says to Veronica, <laughs> you're invited and something about if you want to steal our uh if you have any ideas of stealing our silver or whatever then don't it's like damn girl you you sure can find ways to be mean through the pain hell that's probably how she cope with it but um i don't think i would have the the intestinal fortitude or the the uh the clear head to be like veronica and reach out and be the bigger person because i'd have definitely cut into her redhead ass and plenty of times and they have had their bouts of going back and forth but I'm like bitch I don't give a damn if your brother died if one of your parents died what you're not gonna do is walk into the school every day and make my life a living hell and shower me with <laughs> with insults and think I ain't gonna say nothing back so um she follows her excuse me Veronica follows Cheryl into the school and it's like look I know you're dealing with shit it's a hard week feel your brother died blah whatever but so let's be friends or at least frenemies and this is where the show picks up for me. Cheryl invites Veronica over for a sleepover. She's like, uh, girl, I want to be in the house by myself the night before my brother's memorial. She's like, okay. So they go over. And this is where the whole get out, microaggressions, um, horror element comes in for me. Because they show, they show this scene with Betty, excuse me, um, Veronica, Cheryl, um, Cheryl's parents and her grandmother sitting at this ornate dining room table having dinner and the blossoms are just like cutting into Veronica and Veronica being a woman of color it's read as them having an issue with the lodges with you know her father and her mother but it comes off as so much more racially charged than that because 
we see that uh, Hiram Lodge, Veronica's dad, is pulling strings from prison. He's doing shit, taking care of stuff. He's, for me, he's trying to take over Riverdale. He's trying to make Riverdale great again. <laughs> but um, we haven't seen him, but we know his reach is far and wide. And we know that the adults who grew up in this town have had issues with each other since childhood. And things are kind of bubbling over the circle. Well, it's kind of like a pot boiling like the lid is just kind of shaking a little bit but i can tell in the next few episodes it's gonna be all out chaos but the way that they were talking to her about just her and her family and money and it's it just came off as very intrusive and disgusting that one this is a child regardless of these being 30 year olds playing high school students this is a child veronica is a kid and she's you know she held her own like yeah this is weird to me too i thought it was gonna be more girls here but whatever so her and cheryl are kind of forging this unlikely friendship but the boy these blossoms talked at veronica with this uppity disrespect and disregard for her not even personhood but for her being a goddamn kid it was very off-putting and I'm sure it was intentional to make them look a certain way but Alice has done shit that I was just thought was just crazy and out the box and I still didn't feel the way about Alice that I do about the Coopers and it's just something maybe it's Cheryl's dad's wig because that <laughs> he need to retire that shit no but seriously it's just I did not it made me feel very uneasy watching it and then watching creepy grandma grandma blossom staring at veronica like the entire dinner that was just that was wild um so after the sleepover archie it seems is like he's going to be the next jason because he has this little like flashback moment of truth uh scene in the locker room where he's like debating looking at his career as a football player and debating calling this castillo guy he calls him and this guy the adjunct professor is a hispanic guy and i was like okay cool we get some more color in this show and i'm thinking like i don't know and i didn't i intentionally did not look up um how many episodes this man appears in because i just from here on out i'm trying to be kind of surprised and kind of not uh but i want to know i want to see how their relationship is versus his and grundy's well I got my answer because this storyline follows Archie sitting down with him and talking about, oh, I'll have more hours to um, put into my music after football season. And the man is like, nigga, what? Football? So you playing football? And he's like, oh, is that going to be a problem? And Oscar Castillo says, motherfucker, you tell me if that's going to be a goddamn problem. This is something you want, which it goes without saying that clearly that would be a problem. But it's like, motherfucker, you are playing football and then you're trying to play the guitar. You're probably going to get injured, if nothing else, injured playing football, which will affect you playing your guitar, which will affect your music. What You tell me, is it going to be a problem? Clearly, that's going to be a problem. Well, that's when we go through this whole montage of Archie and Reggie going against each other, and Reggie finds out that Archie's hand is hurt, and he's like, oh, hey, bro, uh, you need to sit this one out. You're going to be hurt. And Archie's like, oh, no, I got it. I got it, God damn it. Ain't no person of color going to attempt. No, he didn't say that. But Archie's like, you know, um, I got this, but whatever. I don't I don't need you to be my friend and this and that. And I'm just like, this, was a, this is a sucky-ass um, excuse for a, a rivalry because it feels like Reggie, even with not even thinking about the comics, the evil-ass Reggie in the comics, just thinking about how Reggie has been portrayed from episode one, there's no, there's nothing in me that says, oh Reggie would have been nice in trying to accommodate Archie 
which is another thing. It's like, why is everybody fucking catering to this big head dope? Like, fuck him. If you want to break his hand, fuck him. You want to be captain. I don't know if I'm just more ruthless and heartless, but for me, if I'm Reggie, I want to be captain. I'm going up against your short ass with this big ass head, and you already stubborn as fuck. You already don't have a clear head because... Well, he don't know he slept with Grundy, but we know it's a lot of shit going on. You didn't, um, fuck you, man. I don't care if you break your hand. I'm about to be captain. That was my, I, that was my thought, but Reggie wasn't thinking the same way. Ultimately, Reggie becomes the, uh, the captain. Uh, next, let's see, we move on to the, to, oh, this is such a small thing, but, um, Fred Andrews and Hermione I guess Fred thought they were on a date he comes in like oh you know maybe we should try this date again and Hermione's like ah hold up motherfucker I'm married you are too squash that so he's in his feelings about it which I guess understandably so if you thought it was a date but if she never said that nigga that's on you um and which now I'm I know Mama Andrews or I don't know her name she's gonna show up this season, but I'm thinking, what the hell is going on with y'all? I mean, it was probably an amicable, amicable separation or divorce or whatever, but with all the shit that's going on with the adults in this show, and with Hiram having his hands in so many different pots just from prison, at first I thought, okay, she just ran away to New York to live after the divorce or separation, but now I'm feeling like whoever's not on screen, they're still doing some shit off screen that we don't we aren't privy to just yet so there's something there i might even want to throw her on the list of people who may have killed jason like i don't i don't know at this point hell um but he's like oh no you know whatever i'll leave and their little storyline follows with um hermione being at the diner at the chocolate shop on her own one night uh, hears a noise, comes out to the front. Nobody's there, but there's a box on the floor. She goes to open the box, and I swear to God, I thought there was going to be a human head, or at least an animal head, in that box. It wasn't. It was a snake, which, of course, is a sign left by the serpents. Um, she has Fred come over and take care of it, and he's like, you know, you got to tell me something. She's like, I don't want to put you in this. And then they hug, and he's sniffing her hair, which is, he's weird. We see where Archie gets this weirdness from. Um, this storyline wraps up with Fred offering uh, Hermione a job at his company, which is like, this freaking Captain Saber old flame is like, didn't you just take issue with her being there before because of the issues with her husband? And, I don't know, it's just... I get he was trying to, like, do the right thing, but he's... I didn't like Fred as much this episode. It just seemed like he was doing things. and be, uh, He just seemed so weird. Um, but with Archie's um, storyline, the Castillo person tells him, you know, go home, write your music out, don't give me no shit on the flash drive, we need to sit down, be on the same page, blah, whatever. So he sits down with Valerie... That's so Fred walks in the room and he's kind of shaking and it makes sense because you know your son's been sleeping with this grown-ass woman all this time to see him with the girl his age you know he can kind of be taken back then it's a father with a child in the house you know with the person of the opposite sex and they're not doing anything inappropriate but you know they're in this room with the door half shut so that's the whole awkward scene there I thought that was very nice the way they played it the, the corny 
embarrassing dad and you know the kid it was it was it was cute i liked it and i like seeing valerie i love her big ass hair i she just valerie stole the show this episode but um what i like about this storyline is that there's a point when archie sits down in the office with oscar castillo again and he's like look i don't know who you were working with before uh, we don't have the same connection as this woman. And when he said that, it wasn't the line verbatim. But when he said that, I thought, is Archie going to have to sleep with this man too? <laughs> that would at least make him more interesting again. Like, okay, sleep with this teacher. That's your thing now. <laughs> Let me sleep with my professor. <laughs> That's not funny. But um, it was telling him like, okay, you're not as good as you think you are. Like, And I thought that was so good and so honest because... I don't really care for Archie's music, but I don't think it's bad. But then again, I'm also not a music person in the sense that I don't study music. I played the piano as a kid, but I don't play now. I don't play instruments now. I listen to music. So for this professional who is at the heights that Archie wants to be at, is objectively telling him, you're not that great. Whereas Grundy and everybody else have been holding his hand this whole time. It's like, you you are the one demographic that has been held up to the highest regard since America and since before America let me knock you down a peg and it isn't just for you being a hetero cisgender white male it's just that you literally do not have the talent that you think you have and um, aside from race and anything the fact that this main character who has been established his music being a passion of his and who has been praised all this time is now getting a reality check i thought that was such a good moment because now we can maybe get more from archie that doesn't rely on him sleeping with a teacher to be interesting or making dumbass decisions so um i enjoyed it and i'm hoping that we see more of oscar going forward because that is that's what i like most about him that was probably one of my favorite scenes uh, because it just felt so real like a lot of times you think you're doing great because even with like a hobby you know uh, you may draw and you draw better than everyone in your class and everyone's telling you how good you are but then you go to submit some artwork for a competition or something and they're like oh no this isn't good or you're not the best in this competition I'm not going to say I'm speaking from personal experience but uh, <laughs> it's just such a it might be a hard pill to swallow, but it's always um, better than a lie. It's always better for you to get this um, direct truth than to get this, you know, everyone calling. Because I'm not, not to say that Archie doesn't have any talent, but I feel like his talent is um, being, like, boosted more than it probably should be, considering this is something he just started. And he may have an affinity for music and, you know, be natural with some of the things he does. But you don't even write out your music, which probably doesn't seem like it should be a big deal. But when you're talking to someone who was where you would like to be and they're telling you you need to write your music out, clearly you aren't doing something that could be helping you out. Um, I'll take a couple steps back where Archie was injured in a game and we get these little seeds of the Archie, Betty, Veronica love triangles kind of starting up again. Because uh, Veronica sees him in the hallway with a bandaged hand and is like, oh, you can't, you can't mess up this hand. This is your livelihood and just whatever, like just gushing all over him. And she like wrapped his hand up and kissed him and is like, oh, you know, 
just generic teen drama stuff and it was cute for what it was but i was like i thought we were off this like we i know it's 13 episodes to this this season but god damn like can we move on from like archie is boring so i don't know i probably won't be satisfied seeing anybody with him because he's boring and everyone deserves better (laughs) so that's that um with the funeral uh the Blossoms meet with uh, Sheriff Keller and is like, you know, look, we um, invited everyone here for the funeral because uh, we figured somebody, whoever killed him, will be in this room. And that's when Cheryl go off on a deep end to my, you talk about I'm manipulative and this is why you invited these people and blah, blah, blah. Fuck all that. Let's get past all of that. Let's get to the actual funeral where everybody shows up and fuck all that because you don't get a follow through with that if you're going to mention to the sheriff uh, of this town that you think your son's killer is going to be at the funeral but we don't see that played with all we see is people show up for the funeral I'm like you almost had me and then you lost me that would have improved this episode so much more but I'm going to hit on a couple more points and then end this because this was a good episode but it was very slow my favorite scene out of the entire episode is Cheryl at this goddamn funeral everyone shows up um veronica goes to cheryl in her all black and it's like hey you know we're getting ready blah whatever she's like okay i'll be down in a minute we show the funeral cheryl ass in true dramatic fashion walks her ass down the steps through the crowd into the podium wearing these stark white bright ass clorox white outfit she wore on the 4th of July when she lost contact with her brother stands at the podium and begins to give her own eulogy if oh my god just to see the look on her parents faces and <laughs> because they they thought they were gonna get a little speech and we was gonna move on but they sat down and I don't know why everyone is making it seem as if Cheryl's gonna like disgrace the family which leads me to believe excuse me there are secrets going on something in that family that clearly Jason was the favorite kid and I think that's really all it boils down to is that the Blossoms are angry that their son is dead but even more angry that their favorite of their two children is dead because it doesn't seem like anybody gives a fuck about Cheryl and I say that because in her um, eulogy and her speech she's like you know um, my brother was there to protect me he's not here anymore He uh, and I didn't take that as anything malicious but when she said um, I insisted that we have our own birthday parties and um, but then one day I don't know when they were like preteens whatever Jason insisted that we had a party together and I didn't know then but it was because nobody was going to come to mine and that humanized her of course and but it put added layers to this relationship that we have seen only in glimpses between the two of them that your brother your twin brother is protecting you from the world where you are clearly number two now I think she's probably the second born of the two but number two in the sense that I'm the favorite I'm the football star I'm the white male I'm the um the popular one I'm the one where even though we all have money I'm the one that's more not prestigious I'm the one that's more sought after I don't know but I have a level of prestige that you don't have and it, for me, and this may be taking it uh, being a little, a little bit too deep, but it goes back to the status of women in society where anything feminine 
be you a gay male, be you a woman, period, or be you having any tendencies or visual cues that come off as female or feminine or womanly, you're automatically looked down on. And it's like, compared to your counterparts who are more masculine, dudes who are more alpha male, dudes who are more traditionally boys will be boys, rowdy, several girlfriends making money stepping over the heads of others to get ahead like that's what's celebrated and not to say that that's how Jason was but it just shows that parallel where even in their own family where they are for all intents and purposes identical twins separate from being male and female she's still a second class citizen in her own home and in outward society and riveted it was such a sad and breathtaking like take on the character I don't know it's just huh. if you haven't watched any episode and you just want something that's I, I do I would recommend watching this one now the other ones of course because this firing it on all cylinders but this one gave a for me a whole new look at the women of Riverdale I, yeah I'd probably say that this was a very cerebral show um it was very um, focused. It, it was less action heavy, and it was very much these are the things we're dealing with on an emotional level. Much like I'll give the example that the Marvel Netflix shows have been, where Daredevil and Luke Cage have been so you know aggressive and action heavy. Even the trailers for um, Iron Fist, because at the time of this recording, it has not come out yet. It is very action focused, whereas with Jessica Jones was more cerebral. It was more these are the emotional effects. These are the um, these are the issues that I'm having based off of this guy. These are, it was just it was very what the it was very um, I don't know it was just very cerebral and I appreciated that about this show because every woman on the show seemed to regardless of if you liked them or you didn't have some sort of arc or some sort of um, kind of development with that character because again Penelope uh, Blossom Cheryl's mom we didn't know much about her I mean we saw her at the Taste of uh, Chicago <laughs> in the other episode but we didn't see we saw her hit Alice but for me that was all justified because of the way she treated her son in the uh in the media but it's just i I just feel like there were layers to this show to the to the women of this episode uh what else oh so uh at the funeral after all of that we get jughead and betty rummaging around in jason's room which is like yeah this is a big ass house but who in the fuck are you carrying on this investigation on your own and in this boy's room going through his stuff it's like you could have found any number of things you could have found some pills that you didn't need to see you could have found some pictures that you weren't meant to see it could have been so many different things that you could have found but what they find is Grandma Blossom with her creepy ass sitting behind the door in a wheelchair and she goes over to bed and she's like oh you're here I'm so glad you made it blah whatever of course mistaking Betty for Polly now a good friend of mine texts me and kind of I don't know spoiled some of the episode for me but was saying how he thought um Polly was pregnant and I didn't think of that but watching through the entire episode knowing that Polly and Jason were engaged and that uh, Grandma Blossom gave Polly her ring that's been in the family for generations 
they very well may have been married uh, married uh may have been pregnant and for me that kind of goes in line with Jason selling all his things trying to fake his own death to get away from his parents and if Polly really is in a mental institution or held up somewhere going to find her and them running away together because we are told that the Blossoms are evil hateful people but let's not forget we're being shown that Alice is crazy as fuck yes I think that her motives are understandable and justifiable because she's trying to protect her family but Alice is crazy um so who's to say that the nervous breakdown that Polly had wasn't because of her parents? Because we also get the storyline with Betty talking about, look, Dad, every time I talk to uh, Mom about Polly, she shuts me down. Tell me what the fuck is going on. He tells her, look, they had a falling out, uh, whatever. Um, and then even with the funeral, he talks about how the Blossoms, the great-granddaddy Blossom murdered great-granddad uh, Cooper over some maple syrup shit and went during the founding fathers the families of Riverdale all this convoluted mess of a shit show that's trickling down into the current students or kids that storyline was boring but I mean it's very important to the show because ultimately Betty is unable to handle this from grandma she runs away um and then we get ta, ta, ta. oh that um hmm, the very end where the little plot twist is whoever um took down all the shit in Sheriff Keller's murder board is the one who killed Jason which it turns out was Father Cooper uh Hal Cooper I still don't think he he ain't killed that damn boy I feel like he's protecting someone and I honestly don't even have real picks for this week because Betty puts at the Blue and Gold office, her and Jughead puts the Coopers on the um, the murder list or the possible suspects. So this episode overall was good. It just wasn't, it was kind of a slow burn and it was dragging for me. And then watching it through that lens of having seen Get Out, it was, mm, it was, it was something. It was something. Um, I know they want us to think that Hal Cooper did something, but I still don't believe that he killed that boy i feel like he may have had something to do with protecting someone who did i.e his wife um because now i feel like polly isn't crazy and that she wasn't um like going to hurt herself i feel like the rivalry with the coopers and the blossoms is what tore them apart because now it seems like jason and polly had a very functioning relationship and maybe through influence of their parents is what tore them apart sort of a Romeo and Juliet style breakup so I don't know I don't know what to think anymore uh, <laughs> I will say my um, favorite scene was the Cheryl in all white disrupting the funeral and uh, my favorite character would probably be Valerie um, she didn't have as much screen time but she was there consistently and um, I don't know I just liked her I didn't like that she was helping Archie cause shit you got your own band you can take care of his damn self but as far as characters go she was being a friend she had more camera time um her and her brother both were kind of important figures of this show that drove the plot home or moved the plot along um I, mm, I say it's her and then a very close second is Cheryl because I just Veronica is good but Cheryl I don't know this was just a good episode about her for me this was a very good Cheryl episode and um 
like her parents her mom threatened her with sending her to boarding school and that's the other thing <clears throat> she made a comment like oh you ungrateful whore so whatever and she's like um as if anyone would if anyone would have you i would send you away to boarding school or to europe or something which is kind of a tie from the comments because um veronica and cheryl i think in the current comics met at that boarding school or whatever so they may send her there or it might have been just a little easter egg that they were mentioning for people who are familiar with the archie show uh, archie comics but that's how i did i just i can't much like with veronica what everybody's saying oh she was a bitch she's a bitch she's a bitch but she has not done anything but be a good friend this whole fucking season everyone if anyone would have you like what is cheryl doing what is she i don't see anything wrong with cheryl I see everything wrong with her family, but I don't see anything wrong with Cheryl that would warrant you saying no one wants you. Like, a, a whole boarding school is not going to take one student who they're probably going to get a million dollars a semester for. Are you serious? Like, come on. There's nothing has been shown outside of Cheryl just being a mean girl, a very generic high school mean girl. There's nothing that says, oh, she's a horrible person and everyone hates her and nobody at a boarding school would take her. It was just such a weird, weird setup. But all in all, um, my favorite is Valerie. Close second is Cheryl. My favorite scene is Cheryl and that all white at the funeral. And um, my picks for who killed Jason this week? Ugh. Who knows at this point? Because shit is so fucked up. I'm gonna say Archie's mom. Um, I'm going to say uh, Polly. I'm going to say to 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 um hell Dilton Doily and uh, Miss Grundy. I mean it's so at this no no nope. Archie's mom, Hiram, Mrs. Grundy. Uh, or Jessica, whatever her name is now, and um, Polly. Yep. So, Archie's mom, Hiram from prison, uh, Mrs. Grundy from wherever she is, sleep with students, and uh, Polly. That's about four picks. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm going to just wrap it up here because we need to get answers <laughs> soon. So, um, shoot. Uh, I don't know, stay carefree, <laughs> stay out of these woods, and stay the hell away from Riverdale if you are a person of color. Because uh, Get Out and Riverdale, for me now, they exist in the same universe. They're probably in the same couple blocks apart from each other. So <laughs> uh, hit me up on Twitter and let me know your thoughts um, about this episode and who you think killed Jason. And uh, catch you back here this week, next week, for uh, the next installment of Welcome to Riverdale.